Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. G'day Ken's. How are you? Oh. Hey. I thought we do afternoon. All. I am Ken Knuff. Damn it, I fucked it up. <laughs> afternoon all Ken's. Afternoon all Ken's. I want that hoodie so bad. When he was wearing the I am Knuff. Oh, <laughs> so fucking good. The tie-dye one at the end. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Throwing the Power. My name is Frank. I'm Tom. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about Barbie, 2023 no film. Shit. Greta <laughs> Gerwig. One of us was called Ken. This would be unrecordable. <laughs> like if we just had <laughs> we would just be like, what are we going to say? <laughs> like we would be incapable. And then Ken, me? No, not you. No, shut, no, up. shut up. Then Ryan goes like, no. Oh. Ken, we so, get on with it. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Thomas has tried to derail the intro twice already. No, I haven't. Let me <laughs> so, tell you why. So this is the podcast throwing the power where we talk about movies, we debate them, we try and sway each other's opinion. Uh, you love it, you hate it, blah, blah, blah. You know the intro. Blah, blah. Um, so we rate these movies out of 11. And Thomas, is there a reason why it's 11, sure. not just a normal 10? Sure is. Okay. Surprises. What is it? Well. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, don't. I just want to see Frank would deal with opening, it. Oh, here we go. It's the opening shot of the movie. Uh, Barbie's legs. The legs. Forming Something I definitely thought of, Legs 11. 2011 um, Space Odyssey. Isn't hey, it? except 2001. But that's fine. I know, but like, no, you know your film history. But anyway, there's... <laughs> Twist. <laughs> I was at just camp. <laughs> the amount of times. <laughs> it's a Christian camp. I didn't see movies like that. <laughs> the amount of times since uh, I watched this movie a couple of days ago that I have yelled the word sublime just at anything that's happening in my life. It's okay. been about 11. I thought this movie was quite. Sublime! I just think that was the, that was the <laughs> bad choice of a line. I know. We it talked was, about this. How already. does he know that word? Sublime. Yeah. He's been reading. That's no, the but- whole character arc. That's not enough. <laughs> that is enough. <Knuff. laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Shout your name if you like this movie. Top. Frank! That's it. Well, That's it. Got got people, I, people in. In the room. I thought you were waiting for. <laughs> you guys are allowed to say Ken instead. So Ken would be confused. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ken be confusing. Um, Thomas score? I would go like a... That's pretty good. Quite enjoyed it. 8.7. Ooh, I think that's a pretty good score. I might give it an 8.7. I don't know. It was around there. (laughs) (laughs) Change my mind later. We'll see what happens. I didn't write down any notes for this one. Oh, my God. I saw it in the cinema. It's hard to write notes. For the listeners, I've got 8.7 written on a piece of paper in front of me and Frank just looked over my shoulder at the piece of paper and was like, I'm just going to say that same thing. It's like you're cheating off me in maths class again. Pythagoras, etc. Um, okay, Chris, Marcus, <laughs> give me some scores. Uh, I'm going to go with a three. 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 Pretty low. You've had a bad weekend at the cinema. I have. <laughs> Hated Actually, Oppenheimer. It's, uh, yeah. It's God. Sweet. Okay, Marcus. Uh, for this Truman Show meets The Matrix, uh, I'm giving it a 4.3. <laughs> Was that a Whoa. That sounded far more dramatic than that three. Well, I thought the way you put it was really dramatic. Truman so Show means the Matrix. People yeah. are used to me giving low scores. I mean, yeah, it's Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's probably the lowest I've given in quite some time. Not since uh, American Beauty, um, your <laughs> yeah. favourite film. God damn it. <laughs> 3.2. <laughs> Why yeah. get picked on for that? And fuck. As you should. Oh, as you Frank, should. I even Marcus, his you get picked on for other things 11. as well. Don't! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I can't imagine why. <laughs> you got a wonderful speaking voice and you sound great. No, don't. All right. Okay, well, uh, as we know, Barbie's Hot Topic uh, released this year, came out, what, three days ago? Yes. Uh, t- uh, Ten days ago, depending on. For listener, Once you listeners hear this, it'll have been a while ago, but it came out on the 20th of July. That was the whole thing. And it came out the same day as Oppenheimer, a movie we talked about last week. And uh, I'll just very quickly do a little retcon and fix something. I think I said it had made 170 million domestically at this point. It hasn't. It's made about well, 150. Yeah, but also million. when this comes out, it'll it have made, made more. A lot more than but that. the point is that the weekend that you were this, wrong. Yes, I was wrong. I love um, that. The week, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that goes hand in hand when shutting the fuck up. No, whoa, uh, whoa. Uh, not for me. Hey. <laughs> Language. I didn't say it last week. Language. It's a family-friendly show. Uh, I yes, this movie made a insane amount of money um, the same weekend as Oppenheimer. They have kind of boosted each other. First time two movies have made over eighty million uh, between like each, like so eighty million for Oppenheimer domestically, 150, 155 for Barbie. 
Um, it's a big deal. This movie is now at 300 internationally already after one weekend, 330, wow. um, Frank's telling me. Um, it's going to make a billion dollars. There's just no way this movie doesn't get to a billion, probably yeah. a little bit more. Billions for Barbie. That is That's a lot saying. of De Niro. That is a lot of De Niro. And you know what? His performance in this was fine. He's a good like, kid. Oh, De Niro. Yes. <gasps> That's oh. a lot of De Niro. That's a lot of De Niro. <laughs> De Niro's gone to see this movie <laughs> 337 million times. Are you talking to Ken? You know, uh, there's something in it. There's something there. Um, okay, well... I thought it was great. I loved it. I saw it uh, in a, a sea full of pink uh, at the cinema a few days before it came out, brag, mm-hmm. um, and I just had a great time. I thought <laughs> it was very funny and takes the piss out of men in a wonderful way. And if- I was personally, uh, they nailed me twice. The first bit, <laughs> if you know this. I love a sex tape. Go on. Where <laughs> they nailed me twice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said what I said. Go on. Yeah, I heard it. Um, <laughs> they There's the one joke where all the Barbies get, uh, I guess, brainwashed and they come out of that and then one of the Barbies goes, oh, I just realised I really cared about the Zack Snyder release of Justice League. And I was like, oh, that was me. I cared about that. And then I felt like a loser. If that and line had been, I realised I really cared about the butthole cut of cats, I'd be like, that's me. That's <laughs> the same thing. They aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that's the most toxic masculine trait there is, wanting the butthole cut of cats. And what was the other moment for you? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, no. Compelling staff audience. I do. I remember exactly <laughs> what it was. I've done this. Is, I've done this. And Chris <sighs> texted me after. He was like, you're in this film. <laughs> See, I feel attacked because I love this song so much. And every time it was played, I was like, oh, I want to sing along. It's, it's not a bad song. <laughs> Content kind of weird. But, yeah, I'm a Matchbox 20 fan. Yeah, Rob Thomas is a nice guy. Mm. That, yeah, those lyrics are questionable though. And also it's an easy four chord song. So a lot of people know it. Mm. Uh, the people sitting on the beach didn't. They were just holding the guitar. I'm like, come on, guys, pick up any book that teach you At least how to learn. play guitar. Yeah. It'll teach you G, D, C, and E minor, and that's all you Especially need. Especially the guy trying to play guitar on the drums. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I think really- a lot of them, yeah, and we spoke about this when we spoke about Birdman, about how you, when you see musicians on screen doing the wrong thing, there's nothing worse. I think it's a great commentary on Ken's, though, not even being able to learn a four chord. Like they learned sure. that there was no K note and they're like, I'm not fucking learning that shit. <laughs> like, Language, it. Jesus. And okay, also, um, yeah, but just learn the chords. Yeah. This is why Chris gave it a three. Did it look yeah. like it was great? <laughs> the drama was terrible. <laughs> Did it look like Ryan Gosling knew what he was playing? Yeah, no, he, he, was right. he, he was right. He was right because he is in the pocket in this movie. The pocket. Nothing that's there. a good. That's a good music reference He's as well. Incredibly, incredibly locked in. Kenothi is. Kenoth. Ken <laughs> Ken so much fun. Should we put it against uh, who's better, Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling, in this movie? I think she has a much harder role. Oh, yeah. And I think yes. it's a less, less – So that was a kind of a low-ball he And she's very good at that, very solid – she's the anchor of the movie and, it, and she kind of holds right. it together that's with right. a very tricky and very nuanced performance. He's more fun. That's he's, just the He's way the scene stealer here, which is Yeah, he's chewing it up. kind of will be strange to me if people in six months' time – I already made a call in the last episode that I reckon Robert Downey Jr. is probably going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor – I want to make the call now that I think it's very silly if Ryan Gosling doesn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actor because this is just like the Oscars are always going like, no, we love comedies, we love nominating for people comedy and never doing it. And then occasionally you get like Melissa McCarthy for Bridesmaids or like Kevin Klein for A Fish Called Wanda. Sure. And so I hope Danny Jr. Is, for Tropic Thunder. Damn, How, Danny Jr. for Tropic Thunder. So I hope yeah. this is one where they go, yeah, that's a that's. A but also I think and both of them, like Margaret Robbie obviously has a massive emotional performance and huge arc. Ryan Gosling actually – He's got a, a lot of range in this as well. Yes, I don't think hers is big enough. I'd be, I'd be happy to see her. I mean, he's singing. I don't he's probably a- hitting G's when he's singing that song. Sure, G. That's a rank. Like, there you go, Marcus. You seem really into this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, God. you guys didn't like it. Uh, tell us why. Yeah, talk us go through. on. I, look, I've already said this. Um, <laughs> Time and time again. Just Jesus. for the listener, Marcus Look, is like I, I awkwardly feel shuffling. No, I know because I do. I feel really uncomfortable. As a straight white Australian male, I feel weird. One of those is untrue, listeners. Write in which one you think it is. I'm not Australian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel uncomfortable giving this a 4.3 because I feel like I'm going to be ostracised for it. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like I'm allowed to say I didn't like this movie. You're allowed to say you didn't like it. Yeah, but 
as long as your reason is your reason isn't I'm a dude and they were me- they were mean to me. No, of course not. And like I think that the agenda that they're pushing here and the message or whatever it is is pretty obvious. And I think that I, I absolutely don't disagree with most of the things that are said in this film. I just don't like the way it was said at times. And I think that whilst, here's my hot take, I think that whilst trying to empower women through scenes where it's very obviously at some points doing that, um, especially in the third act too, but um, it's really um, dumbing down the guys so much to achieve that when I don't think, I think you can empower women without doing that. It's nice to see the flip. It is nice to see the guys being the, um, as we've talked about, um, the bimbos for once. Himbos. The himbos. Had to get it on mic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think using the guys as that device is sort of contradictory to the point almost. You think that if it's going to go, be about like a lot of the time feminism is talked of as quality and that if we're going to talk and about equality, is it right for men to be? So, like, acting as as secondary characters who don't have their own agency. Yeah, this is not equality. Sure. I I think that the movie does have a bit of a criticism baked in about matriarchy itself. Like, obviously, patriarchy. Patriarchy. Patriarchy is the the buzzword, but, I mean, I think matriarchy. Buzzword? If we had a dollar for every time it was said. It gets thrown around. I think it's very funny, especially (laughs) Ryan Gosling's definition of it, where one of my (laughs) favourite lines in the movie is when he's crying at the end. He goes, you know, once I found out patriarchy is not really about horses, I kind of lost interest. (laughs) Lost (laughs) The Mount Rushmore of horse faces. Very funny. Horses are just men extenders. Yes, men extenders. Genius. Very funny. Um, I think that there is a matriarchy criticism in this film. I don't think that it's going... Well, a world in which women are in charge and totally empowered, which, by the way, like, I think there is to some degree to which, like, of course that's the crux of Barbie and it always has been and that this is a movie based in a doll that was always criticised for by men being silly and kind of pointless. Oh, go play with Barbies. That's so stupid. And then once a movie about Barbie comes out, if it's going to be a movie that is very much from a female perspective and catering to women and having jokes at, at men's expense, I think that's exactly what it should be. And, like, the idea sure. that it would try to sort of uh, be a movie for both sides in itself is also a bit Look. unnecessary. But I do think they go, like, hey, there's weird Barbie who we ostracise because she looks different. And the movie acknowledges by the end, like, hey, that sucked. Why did we do that? That wasn't cool. Hey, hmm. there's the fact that being an empowered and a, uh, like, high-achieving Barbie, whether it's President Barbie, whether it's Dr. Barbie, Ryder Barbie, mm. gorgeous mm. Barbie, like stereotypical but like Margot Robbie, gorgeous Barbie, mm. America Ferreira at the end being like, what if there's just like, you know, a, normal. a person yeah. and like maybe she's a mum, maybe she's not and she's just trying to sometimes feel good about herself. And I think that's one of the most subtle but well-put ways of just kind of going like, yeah, not everything has to be do your best and if you're not achieving at your best, are you achieving? The movie does kind of get at that like this perfect Barbie world. Yeah, you don't have to be at the top of your field of whatever you do. You can just be getting along it, in, a, in a, what is it, a, a, a flattering shirt or something? And yes. I was like, That's great. Absolutely, in a nice flattering shirt. And then the last thing I'd say I guess is like this movie avoids what I think would have been a more obvious route of making the Kens like evil. They're not evil. They're just dumb, right? Even when they take over... They're not doing because I don't want to get too heavy here, but like the worst thing that men can do is not what these kins do. Like they do not of do course. the most horrible things that they could do. They just go like, I now want to like drink beer and play guitar at you. And even, like even in the real served. world, they, they they make every guy seem exactly that way. Yeah, I think in the, there's a degree to which it's like obviously with the Mattel CEOs and stuff, yeah. they're, they're poking fun at it because, and that gets sure. to another thing about the fact that they are peddling a product here. Most movies are. Yeah. Certainly yeah, if we yeah, look yeah. at Transformers or the Avengers movies or anything, they're peddling like stuff for merch. But they are acknowledging that there's that sort of double-edged sword of like, yes, we're making a movie about Barbies. It's probably going to sell more Barbies. We want to laugh at the Mattel dudes while we do it, but also it's a thing. But, yeah, I don't think that. So were they shitting on Mattel in this 100%. As well? And like yes. which okay. is very, managing it very impressively. That's what I, I think. Think is, what I think is kind of interesting. It's like Mattel uh, producing this movie. Yeah, they bankrolled like, it. This is what I don't get. Gerwig, well, Why? They, because they know it's, to me they know Gerwig, it's going to sell Yes, she, she explained to them, look, this is what audiences want. If you're going to give them a poison pill, sneak it in something tasty, right? I know you guys want to sell more stuff. And, like, they even have that direct bit with Will Ferrell at the end where he's like, that is 
terrible idea. We're yeah. not going to make. And someone's like, it'll make money. Oh, I love it. It's a great idea. You know. Yeah. And the Mattels like yeah. corporate people must have seen that scene, and Greta must be like, trust me, that's going to work. And it is you so- are more likable if I make you goofballs. But it is almost a like reframing of what Barbie is. I mean, a lot of us growing up, like you said, Barbie was for dumb girls who just wanted to play with dolls. It's not like they obviously reframe in the way that now Barbies are anything they want to be. They can sort of achieve anything you want in life. So you have a Barbie for any person that goes, I want to do, I want to be a surfer. I want to be uh, a mathematician. You got a, you got a Barbie for that. So sure. they can see themselves or see someone achieve that. And so they have something to something to aspire to. I think they tried to sort of reframe what Barbie is in society in a way, which I thought. I, I've got a lot to say. I've got a lot more to say about this, but I'm going to hold off because Chris also gave this a three, and we haven't heard much from him. Yeah, man. I'm curious. Uh, just on that point, in regards to Will Ferrell and that that final scene, mm. that won't sell. He's right. It won't sell. In, in the real world, a everyday Barbie, because that's not what Barbie is. There is nothing wrong with aspiration. If you want surfer Barbie, guitar Barbie, horse riding Barbie, fantastic. Mm. There's, there is nothing wrong with that. You don't need to remake Barbie. She has been around for 60 years. She'll be around for another 3,000. Because as this film likes to point out at the start, little girls have been playing with dolls forever and there is nothing wrong with that. Just let them like what they like. Don't try and remake something. Don't. Well, they. I don't think they're remaking it. It's, it's it's an expansion of the range. I'd say. Like I feel like that's how it's. They're always still going to make stereotypical Barbie, and all the rest of them. Yeah. But I just think they can. Like it was. It was Margot's insistence that her house have a slide because. Yeah. Barbie's dream house has a slide. Has a slide. That's, and no that's stairs. That's what you know. Yeah. Everyone grew up with. Fantastic. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely no, nothing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would argue that to the same extent when you talk about young girls have been playing with dolls forever and the movie opening with that 2001 boom, boom, Space boom, Odyssey boom, 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 uh, boom. aping bit, which is very funny, and the fact that the dolls always used to be babies and it was conditioning young girls like, this is what you'll do, you'll look after a baby, so get used to it now, start looking after this baby and that's what you do when you get older. And then Barbie came along to say, but you could be anything. Mm. You could do any of this stuff, right? And there's always been that sort of double-edged and contradictory thing that this movie gets at, which is that a doll that tells you you can do anything can be, you know, potential is its own expectation. Talent and the the opening of doors is its own expectation. And if you're not achieving at that level, again, all of this is very heavy to put on a doll, but then the movie is talking about it, definitely. I disagree. I think that doll's going to sell, and I think it's because of this movie. It would not sell without this movie. I'll agree with that. I don't. I think if they just said, but what does that doll look like? We do not see that doll. That's true. Maybe it looks like America Ferrera. That could be For, look like America. There would Irish. already be a Barbie that exists like that. America is a beautiful woman and successful. Yes, but I don't think that it's necessarily going to be a doll that whether it has this narrative behind it of this is a successful doctor, this is a successful politician, this is a successful writer. It's going to be this is Mark. What's, what's her name in the movie? America Where Ferreras? are you pulling the word successful from? Barbie. Barbie is all, no, none of these are like, you know, she's got frazzled hair and she's rushing to get to the train because she can't afford to no, like she's a not car She's a successful Dr. Barbie. She's just Dr. Barbie. She's astronaut Barbie. Yeah, Where are you pulling Dr. successful Barbie's killed from? plenty. The, yeah, but I, do you know what I mean? I feel like it's, I feel like <laughs> I mean, she's not a good doctor. <laughs> the lawyer that defends yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Barbie. You're, you're layering necessary. something else on top there. Yeah, but if you're, a, if you're a doctor, what do people assume? Yes. You've gone to university. Which is inherently its own success. If you've got we we do this man sitting next to me <laughs> is evidence that that is not Great. true. Wait, so but gra- gradu- graduated, sorry, Say graduated. <laughs> I feel like there are all there's no there's no podcaster Barbie. There's no my position Barbie. There's no jobs that are like yeah a data input Barbie. They're they're all sort of. There's a glamorous that, that one made me laugh. Data <laughs> <Dad and> Barbie. <laughs> Just trying to think of like sure. generic titles no, of mid-range no, jobs. Like Uber driver Barbie. Like, you know, the idea is like, yeah. and again, none of this is to disparage these jobs, but it's that these are things that are not classified as glamorous. They're not things that are classified as engaging with and there's no other word for it, like succeeding within this framework. And if you say there's an unsuccessful doctor 
that's true, I could I could guess I could say if someone like gets sued for malpractice or if someone is like I, not but hired. They, they for show him. in this film a Barbie that has a TV in its chest. Yes. What, so what is that def- successful at? So this, and they like reference the ideas, but then they go like, these were the discontinued ones. Exactly, because mm-hmm. no one wanted them. They were like, yeah, I've got a TV in my back. Do you think anyone wanted me? No, because what is that telling us about aspiration? It was only the ones that guaranteed some upward mobility within feminism that allowed you to go, now the doors are opening for women and having a TV embedded in your back, I think it was a... Step back, but probably like, in that direction. Well, it's probably just a gimmicky toy, but yes. for, for women, they've always been a strange point of like standard, like the beauty standard, the fashion standard. Well, there's lots of things that Barbie implies to society and to our culture. Yes. This is a matter of perspective though because if Chris is right in what he says, and I don't disagree, I think that aspiring to something is always great. Mm. I think but is it a- statistically less people are going to aspire to be an Uber driver or a data inputter. Well, when you ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's not. But like realistically, a lot of us end up with just normal jobs. That's right. And so, therefore, for a toy, a merchandising um, chain, that's not marketable. Of course, they're not going to spend money to put out um, Uber Barbie because no one's going to buy it. Except if you make a movie where the whole narrative at the end is engendering some significance with this Barbie, which is what they do with that plot point. And they go, what if there is a normal Barbie and there's some inspirational yeah. story behind that? So, that without the movie, that wouldn't. Land. I do agree. I 100% agree that if they just launched regular Barbie, whatever mm. that is, mm. people would be like, the what now? But now that we've had this movie, which is going to be a gigantic success, yep. it is going to create that new mythology behind it, which we're, uh, you know, all arguing about. No, you go, Marcus, sorry. No, no, no. Because Thomas is waffling got, at this yeah, point. Yeah, you yes. are waffling. Thank I've you, Marcus. I've got the point to this now, and this is another gripe that I had with it because, again, my gripe with the film isn't the message it's conveying. Mm. It was the film. I didn't find myself laughing through it as much as I thought I was going to. And if I did laugh, it was a <laughs> through my nose. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a, <laughs> a non-creepy one. Like I think I maybe laughed out loud <laughs> once. Helen okay. Mirren's line. Very funny line. Has like, to don't, be an ad- don't cast um, oh, the Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Has yeah. to be an ad lib. I, I did actually laugh at that. Be weird yeah. for it to be because she would have had to be in the booth watching the movie as it plays <laughs> out. <laughs> like, she does it. She might maybe. have said That's we should do. add this line. They maybe. do. They, she was live with the score. You know, they do the score and they watch the film. She's she was just standing there, like, and I'm Helen Mirren. Here's here's my point. Yeah. When I went to watch this film, one, I was hungover. Do not recommend. Big bad day. time. They buried <laughs> the lead a here a little bit. Marcus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but the cinema that I went to, every seat was taken, which I loved. I'd said that about Oppenheimer. It was really nice to be in a full cinema again. Mm-hmm. However, this time, ninety. I'm going to say ninety-seven percent of the occupancy were under ten. Oh, it was like a school excursion. It was kind of fucked because I was this hungover, seedy, hooded <laughs> dude. At the back of this cinema, and I felt really uncomfortable. Weird, I they had, let you in. They, yep. And well, I bought a seat, so yeah. And not to mention that when I get to my seat, two kids have decided that that's their seat for the day. So I had to take another seat in the cinema because the kids had just taken over this, hijacked the cinema, right? Oh, yeah. Youths. And this poor dude who had invited his friend to come with him, I reckon he's about eighteen. He's like, "Hey, dude, you can sit next to me." My friend didn't turn up, and I'm like, "Sick." So him and I sat there together, and that was cool. Um. But this film, through the use of marketing, said it was going to be one thing, I believe, hence the amount of parents and children that came to watch this film and next minute there's an entire scene dedicated to beaching each other off and talking about a vagina and a penis and there were some adult jokes that we've talked about in other films where you've got to cater for both because you know the parents are going to be there but hide it better. I... Sorry to jump in. I don't sure. think the I don't think the marketing said it was a kids film. So, okay, like it's PG PG thirteen. Like it's you know it it's says not rated Barbie as. in the title. Yeah, that's totally fair. But if it's I'm not going into Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, going, I'm expecting a very important high level dissertation on the no, sentient but life. Uh, no. But you no. will get a shot in the first Transformers where the camera is fucking Megan Fox as oh, it goes up and you're like, and because there the target are market is young boys. But there and we go, but Transformers is, is that a- appropriate for 10-year-old boys if talking about vaginas and penises isn't for 10-year-old no, girls? No, no, I mean, no. they know okay. what vaginas and penises are. And also are. as a parent, you sort of, I mean, Greta Gerwig is a fairly progressive filmmaker. Sure. And if you look at most of the marketing, I feel like the the, the first trailer was the 2001 Space Odyssey Segment that was the first trailer. You go, that's not a that's not a joyful kids toy movie. Mm-hmm. That's that's playing into 
like film nerds and sci-fi fans flipping the genre on its head. Like why is Barbie... But then this was where it felt mixed for me because the majority of the film to me felt so light on in terms of it almost felt like an actual Barbie movie that I could turn on Disney Plus and and turn on that a kid would watch. Did the kids laugh? And then at other times, no. Not at all? No. Uh, the word penis came out and they laughed. They laughed at a couple oh, of things that were like like fart, like toilet humour. Of course they yeah. laughed at it. The simple stuff. But they didn't get it. The simple stuff, that's right. I think there's things in this movie I, that would go over kids' heads, probably more of the thematic stuff, but I don't think there's anything inappropriate. There's nothing that comes to mind that I'm like, I wouldn't show this to a 10-year-old. Fair enough. But, again, circling back, yeah, yeah. we talked about, oh, so but this film would then in turn launch a product that is normal Barbie. To who? To the adult audience that was watching this or is it to the kids? Who buys Barbies? Kids. The adults for the kids. Kids don't so have money. So you're telling me that like you're telling s- everyone's backing a, a, a whole film that's going to help their merchandising for children that's not aimed at children. So where's what's the demographic here? I felt so but I think, confused. I, was I think you're like Thank I think you. kids, kids are a bit smarter than that, I think. And like 10 to 16 are going to watch this and they're going to be. Greta's pushing a message to. Some people, which is great because it was well received mm-hmm. and it's right. Who's who do you think she's pushing to? Who do you think she's going? I need this age group or this demo to hear this because yeah, and this is it felt mixed. It felt like it almost was trying to push too many messages at once rather than just sort of streamline it a bit and really drive it home. I so like, I don't really think it did. I feel like it starts off obviously in you're in Barbie Land, Barbie Barbie Wood, Barbie Town, yeah, Barbieville. Uh, Barbie. It's not important. <laughs> The Democratic People's Republic of Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in, you're, in, you're in this plastic dream. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. That's not bad. Uh, so you, you start off in that world and it starts to crumble and becomes more and more, I guess, realistic or, um, you know, real-worldly over time. The, the world doesn't. She does. Yes, but then us for the audience, it does as well. Like when you see the cracks or what is wrong with Barbie world, the more you go through it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like she goes to the real world, then she comes back and you, and then Ken have, Ken's have taken over and we realise that Barbie world is is flawed and that model has been broken, whatever it may be. So we are like obviously Barbie is the, sorry, Margot Robbie's Barbie is the surrogate for the audience and we are following her journey. So we come back and we are like, oh, things aren't as perfect as they seem and we're, we're learning a lesson together. I don't know. I feel like I don't think it's so complex that kids can't get it. I feel like it it lands for – I think it would land for most people. Like I have a friend who took her 12-year-old to it mm. and, of course, loved it. Okay. Doesn't get everything, doesn't get the, the details properly but walks away feeling like, yeah, I have learned a lesson and I can do anything for you know, to make it cheesy. But you I, know what I mean? Like it still lands. I agree. I don't think there's a lot in here that would scandalise children. I do think there are things in here that they will, if they want to watch it as they get older, will get more depth out of. Sure. Which is, and like the thing I guess I'll say that we've obviously been talking about this movie for 30 minutes, I think it's pretty miraculous that a Barbie movie, which inherently sounds like a pretty silly, light, trivial thing, can inspire this level of conversation. Greta Gerwig and the collaborators who put this movie together put more effort into this than I think most people are anticipating. I think there is much more to unpack here and that there, even if you, which I, I don't mean to say, like if you guys don't like it and some of your reasons are you think it's trivial and light and who cares, but I think there are some degrees to which it's like I don't like it because it had ambition that I don't think it lived up to and it didn't achieve those things. Would that be accurate to say there are things that it set out for itself that it didn't achieve was part of the reason you guys didn't like it or was it that it's light yeah, trivial? Yeah, yes. I just feel it was it was misguided in the execution. Okay. Do you, I think the one I, I – like when you say they're, they're pushing a message and they say something, do you think the script was a little cheesy and that was irking? I mean, I had even argue that preachy at times. There's some preachiness in this movie. There's no doubt. I think they do a good job of folding it into narrative necessity. What do you think, Chris? Do you think the preachiness is, is one of the big problems? Uh, I'd go a step further than preach and I'd say there is a scene in this which is a, a genuine whinge, unfortunately, okay. from the writer. Um, There's two I, writers, right? It's Noah it's Bornback, who's uh, Gregory's partner, writing oh, it together. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, go yeah, on. Sorry. Go on. I, I did feel genuine discomfort for America 
having to deliver. The monologue of the end where like you have to be oh. beautiful but down to earth and approachable yet yet strong, like all this, yeah. the, 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 the contradictions. contradictions yeah. 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 That, that, that scene in and of itself was such a whiplash because you go from the funniest joke in the film, which is um, Helen Mirren's line about Margot Robbie, yeah. the next second that it, spiel starts. Yeah, it does turn. It turns on a dime. And and it, the way it's used, it, 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 it snaps the Barbies out of it, out of they've somehow become overnight all... Hoodwinked into maybe time is different. No, they explain it's like smallpox with the indigenous communities. They've never been exposed to patriarchy, so it runs rampant. And so the idea is like, oh, okay, which is a bit of a throwaway line. And I was like, sure, whatever. The plot of this movie doesn't really need to hold up to that level of scrutiny, but sure. But yes, they do become like in a fugue state where they all think that they belong now, being subservient to men. Um, What you should have done with with all those reasons that America lists, you cut them out one at a time. You then have a montage back in Barbie land of going up to each Barbie and just listing one to each of them. That and would it have been snaps great. them out one at a time. That would have worked for me beautifully. That's actually really nice. Yeah, because then you see, you see what the next scene is of them going around in their secret mission, but it mm. sort of, I guess, cuts down that's time. A, that's a very nice point, actually. I was in the cinema with not children, uh, a lot of grown women, um, all glass or two of champagne deep. And that speech happened and then two ladies in front of me, I would say they were pretty cooked. They were pretty drunk. They were like whooping and cheering the whole time and they both, like the, the speech finishes and all you hear is this clink and they cheers their champagne <laughs> and then everyone in the cinema obviously heard that and was like woo and just started cheering for them and for the speech. It's a great sound bite so to add to the end. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. And I like obviously for me watching that scene, I was like as, as a person who I guess – cares about film, it is a little like on the nose, which is fine. But then that happens and I was like, I can't I can't say no to that moment because like imagine <laughs> that whole monologue and then ding. It was like it's it was like it was crafted. It was perfect. What, what world do they think they're living in? Because Those we are we are presented the real world. I hope the people at home can hear the air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. I'm making. <laughs> Tap them on Marcus's forehead next time. It'll help. (laughs) We come out of Barbie land onto Venice Beach and Margot Robbie is ogled to the point of getting her ass slapped in front of presumably her boyfriend by a complete stranger. We then go to the Mattel office and the office is some sort of labyrinth of grey cubicles and then the boardroom is a love heart-shaped desk. I mean... We have an imaginary land. That's Barbie land. If mm-hmm. you want to present the real world, present the real world. I had the same issue with Promising Young Woman. Show me the real world. If you're going to make this point about how awful the real world is, show, show me it. the real world. Show it. I have two things to say. I because think- Barbie ultimately chooses to live there. She leaves Barbie land. Yeah, that's that's interesting point, but I feel like... People get slapped on the ass all the time. Yeah. Like I feel like the objectification of women uh, is we yeah, we don't do it, but it happens. Absolutely it happens. Happens more than I think we like to think it should and would. And then I think the Mattel thing is kind of like a bit of a fantasy because that obviously Barbie Land, how does that exist? How do they get there? The Mattels are kind of this, I don't know, sci-fi company who can go between realities. That's why I think that's kind of Quirky. But I think the real world... Science fiction is like a game. It has rules and you need to get serious about those rules because it's not a game. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I just stole that. I stole that line from Black Books. (laughs) (laughs) It was good. It was a good line. I was like, who wrote that? Um, But what would the rules be? Because I feel like... We're explained the rules by Crazy Barbie. When you the the journey to get and then you just do it backwards in reverse. How the owner of the doll affects the Barbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet. Yet how are they affected by Ken? Stereotypical Barbie is the only one that's affected. Kens aren't affected in any way. You can come in and out. I was half expecting Will Ferrell to be 
I can. Because he's carrying around drumsticks for no reason for the entirety of the film. <laughs> yes. Not scripted. Drumstick. <laughs> but yeah, like you, 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 say, yeah. you say science fiction. It, 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 yeah. it I, I don't homages 2001 mm. at the start. And so I was, I was going, okay. So I was looking for rules. What are the rules of this universe that we're in? Oh, it does reference have, the Matrix too. But do do you A think it would, would it have landed better for you if you've gone into the real world and you find not only stereotypical Barbie's uh, owner or carer, you find President Barbie's per, like you, if you find other people and because I guess is the problem for you that then they go back to Barbie Land and all the Kens have taken over and all the Barbies have no autonomy anymore what happened to their owners is that what you're what happened to their owners what has happened in the last 24 hours that it's changed Spiraled so, so much. yeah it's yeah. embedded in this connection between the two and then it sort of i also feel like gets its own rule i also feel like that's not the point mm. and i think that you know it's but, valid but that it is we it have the work. scene with crazy barbie that explains the rules yeah yeah wait what rules getting violated that she explains i'm confused your your owner's behaviour and thoughts and feelings reflect reflect the change the Barbie. Yeah. So yeah. that's why Margot Robbie gets so what gets sad. How does that get violated? All the other Barbies get their minds and their behaviour gets changed by Ken. But remember how in the real world the Ken dojo mojo, but whatever casa house is suddenly getting sold. So it's like the real world and whether or not there's like, and yeah, you could argue like chicken or the egg. Does that mean that like what's going on in the Barbie land is influencing the real world? But in the real world, these things are happening as well. Like suddenly the Ken dolls are selling and then you get that ad for depressed Barbie. Once Barbie's really sad and suddenly it's like now introduce depressed Barbie, which has a very funny joke in it. I think when a lot of people maybe come at this and say there's a lot of jokes at himbos and men's expense, Mm. but I think a joke that a lot of women knowingly laugh at in this is when it's like sit in your pyjamas in bed and watch Pride and Prejudice, the BBC version for the seventh time, (laughs) and they have that clip. Very funny. Yeah, Colin Firth is great. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's – I don't find myself too concerned. I don't disagree that this Matrix influences – um, on this sort of real world uh, avatar, but also kind of like, what, what, where do you want to be? Like, what's up? No, well, also red pill. The, the that's red it. Pill, that's what I mean. Pill. Yeah, yeah, the idea of yeah. like, do you want to accept this reality, or do you want to move on to the yeah. sort of real thing and, and grow old? Um, and the interaction with the oracle, yes, type, all these sorts of things. Yeah. That said, yeah, I didn't find myself too concerned with with rules in this movie. I wasn't too. And when it got into the real world, I thought. That it was a it was a broad comedy that stuck to broad comedy, right? Like I didn't find. I guess it's not dissimilar to if we're going to broad comedies that we've done before. I didn't wonder when in Tropic Thunder the guys land in the jungle in Laos or, or wherever they are. I didn't go like, well, these you know Laotian terrorist drug kingpins would be way more brutal than they're being. Like they would have just killed them all, right? I'm like, no, it's a broad comedy. Like they're going to act the way the rules of a broad comedy dictate. They are going to be like movie version yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. So the real world in this movie, if it had suddenly become gritty in a really like, you know, sort of confronting, you know, cinema verite or whatever way, I'd have been like, I, this, I don't understand why you do I, this. Yeah, the you know? comedy to me didn't land and I think it's because it felt too light on. It wasn't punchy enough and it didn't... Um, it, it it felt tell me almost pantomimeish at times. Tell me you didn't laugh when Ken starts playing push, and then it goes four hours later, and they're still playing on the beach. Like, like you didn't laugh at that? Nah. Like, mm. Do yeah. you find Ryan Gosling funny in this? I think I that's think, kind of the linchpin to a lot of the humor. I think so. Margot Robbie's incredibly good at what she does. We, we still haven't talked too much about how I think really grounding that performance mm-hmm. is, but she doesn't mm-hmm. get to be funny too much. She's funny sometimes. I don't think she's meant to be and that's fine. No, there's, she, t- she's the there's times. I yeah. think she does the quiet funny very well when she does, you guys ever think about dying? And then it's like the record scratch. She's like, I don't know why I said that just now. Like there's there's little things she does as a sides. Yeah. But Ryan Gosling, if you don't find him funny in this movie, the humour is is not going to work. Oh, you're just going to find him obnoxious. Like, yes. I think everyone's performance in this was great. Yeah. I think overall, so such a phenomenal cast and everyone did everyone fit the brief and they understood the assignment and they did it didn't love america ferrera's daughter i apologize can't remember her name uh, i thought maybe probably the weakest part of the movie in general i understood what she was there to facilitate certain parts of the narrative she flipped far too quick for me yeah she's it, all of a, like she's in a pink dress way too quick i was she accepted it i was ready to very much not if not completely dislike kind of check out of this movie and find it a little bit like oh is this where they're going with it when Barbie first confronts her and her friends 
and mm. she gives Barbie this screed about like all the problems of you. I was like this that, that more than America Ferrera's speech, which I quite liked. I thought America Ferrera's speech was was quite lovely, but the speech that the teenage daughter gives her mm. about like this is what's wrong with Ariana Greenblatt is is what yeah. Frank's pulling up as the daughter. I didn't think she was very good, unfortunately. But yes, the way she's like telling Margot Robbie off. And just like all these are the problems. And I'm like, oh, if this movie becomes you trying to convince this girl and you're in the real world for the next hour trying to convince her that Barbie's actually great, I don't think I'm going to love this. I think it's going to be whatever. And I thought the immediate switch to, no, it's the mother's story, was much more effective. I quite liked that. Sure. You know? Well, and also America Ferreira is just so charming. So ch- the most likable person. Agreed. I mean, actually, well, not the most because I think Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Kate McKinnon, I think this is a nice sort of role for her that that isn't obviously off the back of our SNL days and then Ghostbusters, et cetera. This is a role that is funny but not like, hey, Kate, just say whatever. You know you know how yeah, she did okay. a lot of roles where so she's you, just improv. I liked the fact that she didn't get that sort of improv um, free range. I, I thought it was nice to bring her back in a little bit. She may okay. still have had I'm sure she's still improv. You can't stop yeah, someone like that. It felt very but it, underutilized. Yeah, but I, I, I liked it. I thought it was enough. Okay. Enough. Yeah, I agree. Because I was worried she was going to just take over and do lots of wacky stuff. Just a little bit of spice. So this is this is almost a transition for her. Yeah. In in toning it back and doing something different. I mean, and we've got to we've got to tone back. Our, yes, our version of tone back. Kate McKinnon is texter on face, like yeah. wild hair, <laughs> doing <laughs> the splits everywhere. It's like, like she's really <laughs> reined it into this movie, but like, yes, she's a quite a manic presence. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I um, liked her a lot. Um, we can talk about Margot too, because I, again, I think the cast was. Oh, great. we can. And she led this so well. No, go on. No, it's, it's funny. No, Frank, you have my permission. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Margot Robbie. Uh, I feel like this is the first time she's – not first time she's led a film, but it is – it feels like a a, turn, a starring turn. She's I, all, I don't know. Like, Tonya? Yeah, yeah. She's, she was, she's been leads before, but oh. this is this is epic for her. This, this does is, feel like a, the big arrival that's been a decade coming. Yeah, because like she's always been talented. Or, she's always been respected. Yeah. But this is something else. I this agree. is pretty incredible. She's fantastic in The Wolf of Wall Street and we all went, oh, cool. Let's well, she's, see. she's never – I don't think she's turned in any if it, if you know, bad performances. She's – what like what's she bad in? I, I – my – She sometimes leans uh, heavy on the Boston accent. What was that one with um, uh, Will Smith? Uh, oh, um, God, mind, mindless, mind. No, it's, mirage, like, it's like slippy. It's like brain, slippy, slippy brain. It's, like yeah, it's like still the card. Brain slip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. That con, con man yeah. thing. Sure, I haven't him. seen it. I'm sure. really struggling to remember what that movie is called. This was refreshing. It might be fake. We might focus. No, no. It's we're trying, focus. Frank. We're trying, all right? Just yeah. pay focus. attention. Focus, focus guys. Um, sorry. This was, not, this was refreshing to have her not do a Bronx accent as well. I thought she mm. was – I think her best accent work still is The Wolf of Wall Street and I think it's only because we're Australian. I do not mean any harm by this, honestly. My, I, no, I know. But like, like if you're it's listening, gonna cause if you're listening it's Margo, gonna cause but like there are so many actors out there who do great work with slippery accents and I'm like, as someone who's very good at accents, I do find that really <laughs> offensive. <laughs> um, no, okay. I do go like, yeah, okay, um, it's whatever. In this and in especially her work as Harley Quinn and then in Babylon last year, a movie I adored and she was wonderful in, I do hear her accent getting a little bit shaky sometimes. She will say certain words and maybe just because we're Australian, I will go, that kind of sounded. You can hear it. That kind of sounded Australian. But it doesn't throw me out of it. I just kind of like my ears prick up for a second and then I just go, meh. So her accent work I think it was always at its best in the Wall Street, which I think is a perfect. But that's such a strong accent. Yes. Like you're in that, this is just like generic. That's true. That's true. There is something there. It's almost just like a, yes, it's the most plastic, obvious American accent. But she's she's very good. Can Can I say I really wish, I wish she had a song. Why does Ryan Gosling have a full Three and a half minute song dance number because he was a mouseketeer. No, yeah. of course he's. <laughs> <laughs> and this God, is going to happen. Margot maybe can't sing, but I feel like for the sake of the movie, it's a bit weird that Ken has a full number. She can't. I she's agree. Stereotypical Barbie. Okay, uh, so she should have been singer Barbie, and then she would have had a song. Yep. Yeah, but good point. Ken, he's beach Ken or back surfer Ken. Back what do you do on the beach? His job is beach. <laughs> Sing. I can't even <laughs> beach you. Beach off. I think that's some of my. I will say one of my favorite things 
about this movie. I, I avoid trailers so much these days, but the Barbie trailer was, what about impo- caravans? was impossible. You know what? I'm not as much down on them lately, but get back to me. I'm not as much. I'm not as, as much down, down on them lately. <laughs> um, trailers. <laughs> they have Tom goes down a lot in trailers. What Jesus that Christ. We'll, Frank's we'll doing a we'll pun that. about. <laughs> keep on, keep going. Trailers. I'm sure everyone saw the Barbie trailer. Like it was <laughs> bum, 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 in bum, escapable, right? And I was watching the Barbie trailer going like, uh, if these are the funniest bits in the movie, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that they used probably to me some of the least funny bits in the movie in the trailer. Like the beach off joke, it's whatever, beat off, beach off, kind of funny. But like every time it came up, I was like, definitely not the funniest part of the movie. And I'm glad that was in the trailer. Even just certain like record scratch moments. I do say the words because we're boyfriend girlfriend all the time now because of Ryan Gosling. Isn't it actually movie. girlfriend boyfriend? Because we're boyfriend girlfriend. I thought it was girlfriend boyfriend. I'm pretty sure it's boyfriend girlfriend. Well, we'll look it up later. Um, but he's very good when he delivers that. He does treats it as one word. It's when he boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Explain yeah. the joke. That's great. Oh well. When, okay. So basically, when Ryan Gosling becomes patriarchy, Ken, he becomes Macklemore. Macklemore, Macklemore, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, or Stacey Jacks from Rock of Ages. Not the film, but the actual Broadway version. Sure. Don't know if you know it. Sure. Niche reference. It's hilarious. Tight curry? Huh? It's a tight curry, yes. <laughs> tight, oh, <laughs> you just tight curry. No, I thought you I said. I genuinely heard tight curry. Sorry, okay. and I was like, just like boyfriend, girlfriend. So I'm not like, I can go a burger, I guess. <laughs> but like, I'm going to do Thai. Yeah, Penang Amazing. beef. Amazing. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, he does have some tight curry. He dances well. Yeah. Uh, the man is in his 40s? Yeah, he looks early 40s. fit as a fucking fiddle. He's very ripped. He does a great job. Yeah, full shred. Very impressive. Do you know, actually, I just remembered a bit that I did laugh out loud at mm. and I don't think anyone else in the cinema did and this is probably the problem with me, maybe. Uh-oh. It, no, it was <laughs> not when, the one problem. Of no, on, yeah, one, let's not Sorry, one of many. All right. When Michael Sarah oh. has oh. that fight scene. He's so funny. As Which is a so piece of shit. Just oh. bizarre to watch. And then when, and when he finally grabs a shovel and chokes out that guy and just like shush, 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 shush yeah. that wish- made me laugh. Yeah. And I don't know why. Because it was absurd. And it's- <laughs> Michael Sarah can't beat up anybody. But do you wish do you wish Alan, Michael Sarah's character Alan, had more? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. not much. Chris doesn't. Not much Chris more. He should be equally as handsome as Ryan Gosling. But Whoever just they a different casted. Name. It's oh, like, oh, this Alan. guy, he's worthless. Look how fucking gorgeous he is and he's useless yeah, James because Marston. he's not Ken. Oh. That would have is that what, yeah, landed okay. beautifully. Is there an Alan doll? But because it's the- Michael Sarah, it's like, yeah, of course he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of but shit. But that's why I wanted him to have more. So no. you go, he's not a piece of poop. Nah. The, Alan, the Alan doll was real. He was Ken's friend, marketed very quickly, removed from Mattel. Because they oh, were just like, don't know if Ken needs a guy called Alan hanging around. He seems pointless as he is in the movie. I don't know. I thought yeah. it was very funny. I thought the line where they're leaving Barbie land and he's like, they're even trying to block it off with a wall. As soon as they work up how to build it sideways instead of straight up, then we're in real trouble. <laughs> it's just them building bricks straight up. Very funny. Thought you, that was funny. You did butchered that delivery. I butchered that delivery. Do you want me to funny. take it again? No. Okay. So Greta Gerwig, thoughts, feelings, comments? Wonderful. She wrote and directed this with her, is a husband, Noah Bourbon? Uh Pana, I don't know if they're married, but Noah Bornback and her have have children together. I now, was she was she actress turned director? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Started right. out in like Francis Ha and uh, a couple of other movies. Mm. Which is his, right? Uh, which he directed and yeah. they wrote together. And she's quite a natural performer. I think she's yeah. very grounded and, and natural in terms of what she does. She's from got, what I've seen. Yeah. She's got a great um, you know, not <laughs> Now, now that I bring it up, it's going to feel a little because it just sounds like I'm going to piss Chris off. But she's kind of got like a Michael Cera energy in some of oh, her acting, yeah. which is like <laughs> she seems you're yeah, almost yeah, like. Uh, <laughs> we'll turn his mic off. He's you're, out. you're almost <laughs> like, are you are you doing this on purpose? And when you realize they are, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of brilliant. But right. it is she's mm. just a little bit says things in an ungainly, awkward way in her performances. She's really good in Francis Ha. But she directed a movie that Frank and I were talking about before we recorded and I already can't remember the name of it. She co-directed it with Joe Swanberg back in- Nights and Weekends. Nights and Weekends. But the main ones she's directed have been Lady Bird Mm -hmm. in 2017 Mm -hmm. and Little Women in 2019. Brilliant movies. And so she's an actor's director from what I've seen. Yes, and she's great. She's very animated. She's very colourful. Yeah. um, To her credit. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem. I think the some of the writing was probably my gripe 
as opposed to the direction and the performances and the overall color scheme. The whole thing is amazing. Yeah, it looks great. It's a big film. Yeah. Mm. Yes, the montages it, of them traveling, traveling to and from. Yeah, so <laughs> so well done. So even even just the way that Ken bounces off the waves as he tries to run and surf yeah. for the first or time, is, and just flips and hits <laughs> the ground in a comically dull way. That's it. That's I, like this is a kid playing with a doll. This yeah. is how it would look. It's they they played really into good. the they played into the fact that they are dolls a little bit and I think the right amount. There were certainly little jokes there where things moved sort of awkwardly and you're like, oh, they are dolls, but it it wasn't overbearing. It wasn't too much. I thought that was really- As well opposed done. to the stiffness and robotic sort of movement that they could have gone with. Yeah, exactly. Which would have just dolls. been so off-putting. Oh, like the way that they just yeah. go, yep, yeah, you don't walk her down the stairs, she floats. When yeah. she's depressed and she sits down and then her, she bends that at the waist. That was very funny. Actually, just like, I, I laughed at that. That's very yeah. funny. Very good physical humour yeah. by Margot Robbie there. The flat feet. I don't know. Joke kind of good. Maybe I went in with expectations, really high expectations because of what the film was and because of this opening weekend. If this doesn't fix my hangover, it's <laughs> shit. And, like, <laughs> and look, admittedly, I had a really unique experience at the cinema at the time. I yeah. think it was the wrong crowd to be in there with and I was not in a good state <laughs> to say it like You must have frightened those children. They're like, God, is that what it's like getting old? Yeah. Just seeing you walk in this as a seventy-year-old man up the stairs. Like, yeah. It was just a bad time. <laughs> Mark um, walks in with three liters of coke, no sugar. Like, just someone help me. I yeah, I rightly can't score this higher though because it's, I didn't have a good experience with it. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm staying strong. No, we're not even there yet, but I'm staying strong. Well, we could do a little bit of. Uh, background on a few things if there were any way for us to transition into it that would be, I don't know, subtle and useful. But well, go on, go on, open your little door. We're, oh, go on. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. Is this that little. thing where he gets to talk more? Yeah. The butler in a pantry with a mic. Because we need that. <laughs> yeah, we do. That was nice. We need that. <laughs> I liked that. He's occupied. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. The cubicle. The cubicle. What? The whole the time, butler's the butler's pantry has <laughs> just been a, a portaloo that I get into. <laughs> it's in your caravan. The butler's glory hole. <laughs> oh, dear. Peek in. Peek in. Okay, what were you going to say? Uh, this is a really good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, why do we <laughs> even open the pantry? <laughs> I just had to get in there and say that. No, no, no. Um, yeah, Greta Gerwig's made uh, those other two movies that we talked about. Uh, the fact that this is her third, you know, Four, third, third and a half. Third and a half, yeah. Let's Proper film directing is mental. That she gets a $140 million budget to do it, that it's going to clear that, you know, exponentially. It is going to be an insanely successful movie. Yeah. It seems to be capturing a lot of quadrants, you know. it. I do think, I don't think that's going to be the first screening that Marcus went to that's going to be largely kids. I, I think it's going to continue in that direction, but it's also going to be a, a family movie. It's going to be a date night movie. It's going to be a girls' night movie. It's going to be for a lot of people, right? Hmm. But, yeah, she is making movies pretty consistently uh, with a female bent, you know, not just because she's a woman. Obviously, we've talked about, uh, you know, Mary Harron with American Psycho who as much as she introduced a bit of a female gaze to that, that is not typically a woman's movie sort of thing. Mm. But, yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig is out here doing this with Lady Bird, which is Sharsha. Sharsha? Sharsha. Ronan and her. That's Sharsha. It's Sharsha. Yeah, it is. You you know Irish, Tom. Marcus is mad at me for that. As he should be. Because you give the appearance of uncultured swine. And then you do shit like this. I the tra- second, I the second like time he has uh, insulted the Irish in recent weeks. Yes, yeah. I'm so sorry. Last week, I believe. <laughs> Personal vendetta. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean it when I said you're all a bunch of red-headed fucks. Oh, <laughs> I apologise Cut the mic. deeply. Right. Come on. We've got Irish in us well, somewhere. They're a well-organised organisation. You yes, will soon. We will soon. I'm trying to breed it out, but it's in there. Um, so... God, when did we? <laughs> okay, that really bombed. Keep going. <laughs> this isn't Oppenheimer. Come on. We're in troubles here. All right. This is, uh, yeah, her next movie, Irish. This is uh, a, <laughs> a movie about mothers and daughters, about sort of what it means to be a woman in the world. And I think, like, I think the thing we have to accept, and I really, you know. You're going to say, what do you, what do you know about being a woman? I was literally going to say, what do any of us? What are, what are we doing here on some level? Like, it's great that we're talking about this movie and we disagree or we agree on certain points. Today's degree. Fuck it, there. Can you imagine, guys, a man talking over someone? I've never heard of such a thing. But anyway. But yes, the idea is that 
there is an attitude and a perspective here that I think is being framed very successfully for a certain audience that we can tap into, but it's obviously not for us in the same way that Lady Bird and Little Women is not necessarily. I do want to talk about the fact that I think the use of uh, Rhea Perlman as the ghost of, uh, oh, my gosh, I've forgotten her name. Ruth. 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 Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, that's, that's not her. <laughs> weird cameo in this movie. <laughs> wonderful maybe, to see Rhea, by the way. Oh, my God. Really wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, Matilda's mum. It's always great. I went to Cheers. <laughs> so you never watched Cheers. Her cut, her name on IMDb is just Ruth. Yes. Um, she's, well, no, she she's is the woman who created Barbie. Barbie. Um, just a little tidbit. Didn't Ruth's daughter, uh, Barbara, hate the fact that she was called Barbie and Barbara? Like, didn't I she hate know. that comparison? But I her brother's name was Ken. So there's that. Actually? Yeah. There were, her children were Barbary, oh, Barbie weird. and Ken. Well, but the whole thing is like Barbary. But the whole thing, especially in this movie, is there's no romance between them. Like Ken, it doesn't even By seem. By design, but not how it was marketed or received. Kind of, that's kind of a like a bit of a inserted narrative where it's kind of like Barbie and Ken, especially for a doll from the 60s for kids, they were never like, and they fuck, right? They were just kind of no, like, no, no, they're no, just, sure. it's Barbie and Ken. But again, right? they, and they do mention that he's an afterthought, which I think is a good line. But Sure. Um, um, but it's what, what was the purpose of having him there? Oh, it, in, oh, it's Barbie's brother, Ken. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, that's right. It is weird if we, if we think of it that way. But in this movie, obviously, the idea is that like Ken just desires her approval. It's not even sexual or romantic. It's just like, I just need you to know I exist, right? The line when obviously America Ferrera and her daughter kind of bonding throughout this and then the idea of uh, Ruth being Barbara, Barbie's mum and the, the mum of all of them is very important. But, yeah, the scene where they're in the void near the end and she talks about the idea of what it means to be a mother and that I can no more control you than I could my own, own daughter and she says the line, mothers stand still so daughters can walk away, turn back and see how far they've come. Very emotional. Nice very, line. I think a beautiful line. Wonderful a nice line. Really, really important way of sort of framing the movie and I think a very subtle way, much in the way that Barbie's sitting at the bus stop and looking over at the older woman and saying you're beautiful. And she goes, yeah, I know it. Like, can I backtrack thing and just say maybe if the, if the film had more of that, I probably would have liked it more. I think it wasn't as heavy-handed. That's a nice line. That's sure. delivered well. Don't hit us with a sledgehammer yeah. for it. It's always the thing that's built into the movie, which, by the way, was one of my criticisms of Birdman, so this doesn't always work, right? But, like, when a movie has a built-in defence, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This one does for me a little bit where it's like whatever level this movie falls down on for certain people, you do kind of just come back to that thing of, like, I can't win. I can't be a Barbie movie that's going to satisfy that person and this person and this person and this person. I'm just trying to do it, right? And in some ways it's too heavy-handed, in some ways it's too sentimental, in some ways it's too... Uh, silly in some ways. It's a little too, like, maybe adult for kids, right? But, yeah, I think this movie is admirably enjoyable across a lot of different sort of quadrants and sectors. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I'm going to stick with my score of 8.7. I was going to say, is anyone going to throw in the pal? Or Quick shout-out to Emerald Fennel who uh, cameos as Midge. I just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah. The Will Ferrell freaking out. Go, oh, Midge. Oh, oh, we just continued. <laughs> Look, I'll tell, you, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Oh, you tell I'm, me. I'm going to go up to 5.5. Through the power. Yeah. halfway point. We love it. He's on the middle. I'm going to stay in the middle because I still feel the way I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking back on some scenes that I do find memorable and funny and I, even the Zoolander-esque moments of the beach war and the grease lightning sort of mm. dance off. And But, again, I got a lot of enjoyment out of the overly stupid moments with the guys and then I appreciate some of the message that was coming through. I just didn't like the um, the harshness of it. It was really jarring to me. Fair enough. What about if I remind you of the scene where Will Ferrell throws a security card at the gate to open it when they're trying to get it? <laughs> no, do you know what? And this is this is probably one of Will Ferrell's weakest. Don't do it. Oh, don't do it. I love Will Ferrell. He's one of my favorites so of all time. In this. And I th- no, well no. Disagree. When he tries to climb over the cubicle. No, this was, it's faster! <laughs> this was, this was uh, soft core Mugatu. Yeah, people have been saying that. It's very similar in terms of characterization. The title of your sex team? I don't know. Oh, Chris. God. So no one else is going to throw in anything? Chris. We're going to stick where we were? No, I'm sticking with a three. There were, it, it should work with a – I could rewrite this and make it work a lot better. But, uh, yeah, as it is, it's, it's got it. too many jarring pieces. All right. And I'm happy to stay at 8.7. Beautiful. Great time. 
Well, that was Barbie. <laughs> Barbie. Yes. Barbie. It's a B to the A to the R to the B to the I-E. Barbie, what are you going to do? You're going to find me? I'm going to come for you and Barbie too. Oh, look, it's Ken. What do you think? We're at the end. Baby, time to go. Bye-bye. You're with the Your endings are always terrible. That was that was awful. I don't you think are, so. Do it again. Okay. No, 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 no. But you're right, Frank. That was Barbie. That was Barbie. I'm Frank. I'm Tom. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. And thanks for listening to Throwing the Power. Um, remember when we used to say it was produced by me, 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 and me? Yeah, no, it was Barbie. Oh, Throwing the Power.